and welcome to Board Game Famous, the only board gaming podcast with more hosts than viewers. I'm your host, David, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Michael. Howdy, howdy. Michael, it's been about a week since we've last recorded, so what have you been playing? I've played a handful of games in the past week. I think the one that stood out the most to me, which I played last night, was uh, I played Parks with the Nightfall expansion. Now, was this your first time playing Parks? This was not my first time playing Parks, but it was my first time playing with the expansion. And I'll tell you what, as my dad would used to say, our dad, our <laughs> dad used to say. My, my dad. That expansion is now a must-play in my inventory, and it was so much fun. The variety of options that it created. I think one of my favorite things about it is, well, actually two favorite things. One, you can get multiple scoring cards. And two, you are sometimes conflicted with the action of, should I take a tent action, or should I take the action of the place I'm at? I felt that the tents added a little bit of forward planning to your turns as well. Uh, You had to make sure that you had the required resources to spend before you got to the tent. So I would, I would land on a spot that had a tent and go, okay, I see there are two more tents down the line. I don't need to take the tent action yet. And I, I liked that, that planning element that it added to the game as well. I agree, yeah. that it's, I agree with you that it's essential. I got done playing it uh, right before bed, and I was already thinking about the next time I wanted to play it. <laughs> that's, that's how you know it's a really good board game, whenever you're thinking about the next time you can play it. Now, you own Parks, right? That's your copy? Uh, yeah, so I, I so I bought the expansion from my local board gaming store, and I asked them if they had their regular base game. Uh, apparently, the supply, uh, the big box stores have priority for the supply of the base game. And so the person at my local game store was like, yeah, if you would love to buy the expansion from us, that would be great. Um, and we don't mind if you go to Target, because at least you're spending some money at it. And I bought three beers while I was there, so... Always support your local gaming store. (laughs) Always support your local gaming store. We like the expansion so much that we bring our copy of Parks with the expansion to other people's houses who own the board games. Like, we appreciate the game. We do. We don't want to play without the expansion. We don't want to play without Nightfall. Uh, The only thing I wish is uh, the base game is, and we can talk about this later, about how you like to organize your games. I think that this base game is so well organized in the default packaging that I wish I could fit the expansion into the base box so I didn't right. have to bring two boxes. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, the the organizer of parks is amazing, so you can't you yeah. can't fit I'm... anything else in the box. Exactly. So David, what have you been playing? That didn't sound rehearsed at all. <laughs> For our viewers at home, we both did theater in high school. and improv (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) for our next podcast I would ask that our viewers write in suggestions for improv (laughs) we'll do scenes from the hat (laughs) we'll do scenes from the hat so we had ComfyCon this last weekend and I got to play 10 games throughout the week so I played Gloomhaven with my regular gaming group I played Everdell because I wanted to play my favorite game on the brand new board game table. We played T-Dragon Society. I taught Ellen how to play Blood Rage. We played Cottage Garden, which was an interesting gaming arc back-to-back after Blood Rage. Then we go to Cottage Garden. (laughs) 
I, I think that their themes are compatible. I don't see any issue with the theming <laughs> conflict there. Sunday morning, we uh, we played Terraforming Mars with uh, with the brothers. That was a lot of fun. Then uh, we had friends over and played Calico, Point Salad, and the Princess Bride Storybook Adventure Game, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we rented it from the local library. Uh, pro tip, check your library system, see if they have board games that you can check out from the library. Sometimes they have surprising titles. I was able to get Star Wars Rebellion, which is like a $100 board game. I could try it out for free from my library. From the library? Yeah, it's awesome. All I've been getting is the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> Does your library system have board games? I have no idea. I can't you sh- read. You should. De- you can't read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll check. I'll check. Yeah, so I gotta play. I gotta play those ten games. I, I do want to talk a little bit about the Princess Bride Adventure Book game. It was four adults playing, and it's rated ten plus. It's a cooperative board game, so uh, we did win. <laughs> and uh, do, you think you, do you think you could have won with two adults? Yes, easily. I believe I could have won with just me making all the decisions with one eye closed, for the most part. Because, like I said, it's rated for 10 years and older. It's a, It would be a great family game. It's one of those games I was glad to get from the library, because you play through the movie, and it's kind of a one-and-done scenario kind of thing. You don't want to really own this game and play it over and over and over. But it had a nice amount of tension in the last couple of games, where you have to stop... Uh, Prince Humperdinck from marrying Buttercup. So this board game podcast is all about rebranding. I believe last podcast it was Game of the Cast or Game of the Podcast. We're planning on releasing these every other week, so welcome to our new segment, Game of the Fortnite. Fancy words here. This Fortnite... The game of the Fortnite is Terraforming Mars. We get to play it together online through the uh, through the Steam application. Four brothers squared off. For our viewers out there, Terraforming Mars is a game about different corporations uh, that each player control. Terraforming Mars. What? What? I know. It's ridiculous. So on your turns, you basically build a more powerful engine that allows you to terraform Mars faster by creating oceans, making forests, and raising the oxygen, raising the temperature of Mars. And the person who has terraformed it the best wins the game. How do you think it went? Tree Strat won again. Is Tree Strat the dominant strategy? I feel like you've played way more than I have. It's my favorite strategy. It is not the only way I have one. I think it is the most straightforward strategy. There are obvious corporations that are better than others. And the two options I had were mid to low tier corporations, which is fine. I still played pretty well. Do you want to share some compliments? Because I'm going to talk not negatively about Terraforming Mars. I don't like it as much as all the brothers do. So I want to know if you wanted to go with the positives first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I said, it's an engine game. So one of my favorite things about the game is how you start slow and then you gather resources and additional abilities that allow you to take stronger and stronger actions. And it definitely is one of those games that accelerates towards the finish and and the actions that you take feel good. 
Uh, you know, like I was talking about the tree strategy. In that strategy, you are gathering plant resources to be able to plant trees. And by the end of it, you can plant two or three tree tiles per turn, which is a lot. There are other strategies that just uh, get better and better as the time goes on. And that, that always feels good. So currently, Terraforming Mars is ranked four in the top 100 list on BoardGameGeek. And I think it is probably the highest rated game that I think is just fine. It's fine. All the other games that I've played on the top 100 are... I've enjoyed more. I don't think it's necessarily Terraforming Mars's fault. I just don't like drafting games all that much. Between each round, you draft a hand of four cards, and I've never cared for the drafting mechanic. Someone doesn't like to hate draft. Oh, I I hate hate drafting. Oh, it's the worst. I'm a positive player interaction through and through. Well, one thing about hate drafting, at least, is the player that you're hate drafting against never sees that card. Unless you keep it. <laughs> or you tell them. <laughs> or you tell them. Like we do. Because we're brothers. <laughs> Oh, this card is so good for you. <laughs> guess who's guess who's not keeping it? I'm going to draw some parallels. I, th- I honestly think it's funny because some of the complaints I've seen about Everdell is it's too lucky with a giant that giant stack of cards. And I've seen that with Wingspan. <laughs> it's too lucky with that giant stack of cards. I don't really see that with Terraforming Mars, but I feel like it should be the same complaint. It's... I'm not saying it's it's too lucky. Uh, I'm just saying if you're going to complain about Everdell or Wingspan, you got to complain about Terraforming Mars. I don't have a problem with it, actually. I, I mean, I think, yeah, there's definitely better cards for strategies. Playing in person, I play with the expansion. And when you play with the expansions, you have a ton of cards in that deck. You are not going to see them all. When you play with the base game... You're going to cycle through that deck a lot quicker, so there's a higher chance you're going to see cards. So I normally play with the expansion, so I'll speak to that end. There's just a lot of cards you're not going to see. The stack, it's about a foot and a half high. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration. But, but only that's a little. How, <laughs> only a little. With all the expansions, that's how tall the stack of cards feels like. So you're not going to see them. But you typically look for a kind of resource, a kind of production which there are varieties, and, you know, there's mixing and matching, you know, steel production and titanium production, steel production and plant production, or uh, be able to get floaters or and that kind of thing. So you look for those kinds of cards that you can build a strategy out of. So whereas I agree you can't look for a specific kind of card like in Everdale, in uh, Terraforming Mars, I don't feel like I am looking for a specific card. Sometimes I feel like, oh, it'd be nice if I could have mangroves. That'd be great. But I don't plan on getting mangroves. I work with what I get. I do want to clarify that I don't think it's too lucky. That's just something I wanted to bring up because it was similar with Everdell and uh, Wingspan. I know it's not too lucky because if it was all luck, I feel like I would win by now. (laughs) I don't think I've ever won a game of Terraforming Mars. Uh, You mentioned the expansions. I've only played with Prelude on Steam, the the Steam version of Terraforming Mars. What are the uh, what do the expansions add, and would you recommend them? To there are five expansions to Terraforming Mars. 
There is Hellas and Elysium, which adds a new board that is double-sided, so you're not playing the same map over and over and over again. And has a slightly different terrain layout and slightly different uh, end-game achievements and milestones. Then you have Venus Next, which adds a new sideboard of Venus, which gives you additional terraforming opportunity and Venus-related cards. Uh, then you have my favorite and the must-play, which is Prelude, which adds Prelude cards that give you special bonus abilities uh, during setup to jumpstart a particular strategy for production and terraforming. Uh, but I think my second favorite is Colonies, which adds areas around the solar system for you guys to send ships to colonize and get other resources without having to play cards. So it's another kind of action. And I think my least favorite expansion is the most recent one, which is Turmoil, which adds a Martian government with different political factions that have their own kinds of agendas where the corporation slash players influence and whatnot. So uh, Prelude which is one that is on Steam right now, is a must-play. And my second favorite is Colonies. Probably Hellas and Elysium. I can't remember how much that costs, but it allows you to have a, a variety of maps to play with so you don't always have the same milestone and achievements. And Venus Next is pretty good, too. Can you fit all of the expansions into the base game box? Because I remember a lot of air being in that box. You can currently fit all the expansions into the Terraforming Mars box. I have also been reminded that Stronghold Games is releasing a big box version. Are you excited for, uh, I think it's called the Ares Project, the card version of Terraforming Mars? It was on Kickstarter not too long ago. It looks like it plays very similar to uh, Race for the Galaxy. I was more excited for the Legacy version of Terraforming Mars. Is that coming? Yeah. I didn't realize that there was going to be a card game. I hadn't heard there was going to be a Legacy version. Like I said earlier, this is the podcast of rebranding, and we are now rebranding our main segment to Brother Banter, because alliteration sells. Michael, today I wanted to talk about the topic of the perfect play. Do you know what I mean when I say that? You mean, like, the most optimal way to play a move? No. That's a good guess. I was hoping you'd be stumped. And <laughs> not even have... I'm, I'm what stumped! Is the, what does that mean? <laughs> For the sake of this podcast, I'm stumped. <laughs> <laughs> I like to watch a lot of top 10 board game videos or uh, these are my favorite games. Top top game lists. And something everybody re realizes is there's no such thing as the perfect game. But I believe board games can have the perfect play. It's It sets up and provides exactly what the board game sets out to do. Because all board games are, are a set of rules and mechanics to provide fun. It's and interesting that you brought that up. Because I remember whenever Dinosaur Island was new, somebody brought it to our local game store. And I played it. And we played it on the short game length. And I won in three rounds. I completed all the necessary requirements to meet game end and won in three rounds. And I think my friend texted the designer, and I was like, hey, somebody I'm playing with just did this. He did X, Y, and Z, and the game was over. And uh, the, <laughs> the game designer was like, huh, that sounds right, but very unlikely. 
I and he was like, I think that is the shortest possible way that you can complete that game. Did you have fun doing it? I had fun. <laughs> I don't. Know I absolutely. Was... Okay, that, that, that might have been the perfect play for you. I, I consider the perfect play to be maybe something similar to what you were describing with Parks earlier, where you finish a game, you set, the, set it down, and just go, that was amazing, I want to play that again right now. And unfortunately, you can't always capture lightning in a bottle like that, but I measure my favorite games by the amount of times I can get the perfect play out of them. Mm-hmm. Because what the game I've played the most is Dominion. I've had the most perfect plays out of that game just be just by sheer sheer number of repetitions of plays. The most recent game that I played that had what I defined was a as a perfect play was Pandemic. Ellen and I were playing. We had gotten ourselves into a situation where it was win or lose on this turn. So we had to make Ellen's four actions matter the most. We sat there for maybe a minute. We're very decisive players, so we don't we don't sit around and think too long. We puzzled it out, and it stopped us from having our eighth outbreak. It stopped us from draining all the yellow cubes because we had several end game conditions that were piling up that we were we were just about to lose, and we were able to puzzle it out. And it was that's what the board game promises, and that's what it delivered for this play. And that's when I knew that I was like, Pandemic's going to stay in my collection for a little while longer because it can deliver on the promise of a perfect play. And I think that's why Everdell is my favorite game of all time. Every time I finish, even when it's, even when I lose, I go, wow, I had a lot of fun. I, I set a plan. I accomplished X and XY goals. I was rewarded. And man, if I didn't win, I was usually close. I guess that's a feeling that I have about terraforming Mars that you don't is being able to set up those situations for myself. It's never right. close for me. <laughs> You're so bad at the game. <laughs> that's not true. It was close one time, and I was doing the plant strategy because I had that corporation. I'm just thinking, what if the perfect play is dependent on who you play with? Oh, I absolutely if- think it is dependent on who you play with. Because I remember when we played Mysterium as a family. And Mysterium is all about a person is murdered and there are ghosts. And the rest of the players are trying to cooperatively. So all the players are trying to cooperatively figure out the murder mystery. And the ghosts can only give clues with these obscure picture cards. And then at the very end, the ghost gives you, after you make it through all these different tasks, the ghost gives you, a, they must give you three cards to finally figure out who did it and how they did it and all that kind of stuff. And you were the ghost and we were playing with our family and you put three uh, cards down and I was like, he put this card down for this reason, he put this card down for this reason, and he put this card down because he just had to put a third one and this is a throwaway. And you just bust out laughing because that was exactly your reasoning. 
and we got I, it right. I guess I guess that is another side effect of what they say the perfect play is like when you get on just the right level with the players. Like, that's exactly <laughs> it. I said I said all those reasons out loud to the rest of our family, and you couldn't hold it in until the reveal. You just started laughing. <laughs> so yeah, I would say that Mysterium is one of those perfect play games. Discussing that it's important to know the people you play with, and that's yep. for the perfect play, and that's why it's so important for the person who provides the games, which is me for our group, to be able to read the room to figure out what game could provide the perfect play for the evening. And there have been times where I've set up board games for Ellen and I, and I just go, we shouldn't play this right now. We won't enjoy it that much because this is not (laughs) the right game for the, this is not the right game for today. So now it's time for another board game misconnection. Let me let me paint you a scene. We were at Geekway. I was playing games with my friends. We were probably on day two of all-day board games. You were about to be in town for a wedding, I believe, was it? What? <laughs> What you were coming? To, you were coming to St. Louis to play oh, to play board yeah, games. Yeah, that was that was twenty eighteen. That was twenty eighteen. Were you in town for a wedding? Yes, I was. You were in town for a wedding, and I knew, and I, I, you were able to stop by Geekway for for one day and play games with us, and I was really excited about that. And I, you had been texting with me, and you were about five minutes away. And as I was walking down the aisle to try and try and wait by the door to flag you down, somebody asks, hey, do you want to join our game? We're about to start, and we can use one more player. And I turned and looked, and it was Tom Vassell of the Dice Tower. And I looked at him, and I said, no, I can't play. I'm waiting for my brother to come, but I would love a photo. So I got a picture with this giant man, and then I walked away. How, how tall is Tom Vassell? He is very tall. I would say 6'5", six, 6'6"? Six, six? <laughs> I, I am uh, so glad that you are so brotherly as to wait for me and not skip out on me to go play. But you know what? I play games with you all the time. I should have said, find your own way into the convention. I'm playing with Tom Vassell, my new best friend. At that point, to be fair, I had moved out to the East Coast. That is true, I, and, and I so did I miss you. But it is one of my biggest regrets that I didn't get to play a game with him. It was just another board gaming missed connection. Hey, Michael, what time is it? It's mail time, where we answer questions from our viewers. This week's this Fortnite's uh, question <laughs> is, what is a board game that you don't mind losing at? That is an excellent question. And this has nothing to do with, you know, being a good sport and all that and not being a sore loser. This is a game that if you lose, you're like, ha, that's hilarious. Or, oh, I still feel pretty good about it. I can't remember the name of this board game, so I'm looking it up right now. Describe it. I want to see if I can guess it. This board game is about constructing a ship. 
you have a pool of tiles in the middle. Oh, Galaxy Trucker. Yeah. Galaxy Trucker is a game that I don't mind losing at because it is just silly fun and you're not you're not going to you're not sure what's going to happen. You know, the right side of your spaceship might just get blown off. It happens. You're you're trucking through the galaxy. You may just get to your final destination with one guy in a pod with an engine strapped on the back with nothing else. <laughs> but you survive. So Galaxy Trucker is a very divisive game. You have to really? have the, you I think you have to have that I don't care if I lose mentality in Galaxy Trucker. I've played it several times and I've, there have been times where like you're frantically building your ship. I like Typically, those puzzle tiling games, but since there's a time element, you are just stressed to get it done fast as possible. And then, by the time you're done, you've realized half your ship is only hanging on by one connection. And if that connection gets hit by an asteroid, oh, there goes, <laughs> there goes your right half. Oh, it's bad. I don't know. I haven't suggested Ellen plays this one with our friend, because it's uh, our friend Aaron has it. And, Do you think Ellen would get frustrated with it? I think so. I think she would have so much fun building the ship, but not so much watching her precious creation be torn asunder. My friends, whenever they'd explain the game, because they all had explained, they had all played the game before I had. They explained it to me as, you're going to build a dope-ass spaceship, and then it's going to blow up. And it's going to be fine. It's going to be hilarious. Everyone's ship is going to blow up. <laughs> that's. I think that's an excellent pick. I think that's... That's a game you have to have that mentality to enjoy Absolutely. that board game. Absolutely. I can't even remember who won whenever we played the first time. I think a game that I don't mind losing at is Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, which is a I think is a surprising pick for me. Even if you're losing bad? The first time I played, I scored one point. Somebody scored ten. I scored one. And I thought, I can't wait to play this again. I have won Twilight Imperium exactly one time. It may not be necessarily because of the board game, though I think TI4 is in my top 10. It's it's such a great game. But since it's such a long game, we always make an event out of it. We set aside the whole day. Everybody brings snacks to play. We're, and beer. We and do beer. We do beer. We played um, we played one round at Urban Chestnut, a local brewery in St. Louis, because they have just the perfect tables for, for board games. They would, big. Oh, they are huge. And the tables are on a first-come, first-served basis, and I checked with the, the staff. I was like, oh, it's, it's okay if we take up one of your tables for literally all day? And they said, yeah, it's first-come, first-served. And the only staff member that ever came up to us was one of the waitresses to keep checking on who's winning. Who's winning now? <laughs> I think I think the staff had bets on who was going to win and that that was the only game I've won. <laughs> nice. Nice. You made you made uh, some bartender back there uh, very happy that day. <laughs> like I said it's just it's a very fun mechanically sound space opera with negotiation if you're winning People will band together to stop you from winning. You make you make rivalries. You make friends. There's betrayal. There's romance sometimes. Uh, I all on the same turn. All on the, the, the same turn. And it's just it's just such an experienced game that 
I am mechanics over theme, but I think this is one of the few games that I get into the full experience of the game, and I don't I don't mind if I lose, which is a strange way, because I think I think playing a six hour game would bother people if they lost. Yeah, I I think Fantasy Flight Fantasy Flight has done a good job to make the mechanics of the different alien races contribute to the theme. Mm -hmm. It's very good. Very good. I wouldn't necessarily agree on that standpoint. I was miserable whenever I finished uh, (laughs) the few points. (laughs) And now we have come to the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening, viewers. And to the Brothers Murph, this is the third episode and you still haven't responded yet. We're waiting. We're waiting. If you think you can handle us at Board Games Brothers Murph, email us at boardgamefamous at gmail.com. See you in a fortnight, viewers. Bye.